Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. No one can stop me. I'm the best ever. Like motherfuck all y'all, Mr. Mike Tyson flow, uppercut all y'all, step into my ring, bitches, ding, ding, bitches, click, clack, bow, bow, bing, bing, bitches, I'm the dream machine, I mean keen vision, I can see through your scene like clear screens, hear me, to a lion, you are just dear me, fear God, fear me, Siri, us, us, be Hello, 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 everybody, this is Joe Connors, your host of Anfield Index Legends Podcast, Episode 2. Took us a while to get back, but we're here we are. We are here to talk everything Mr. Iron Mike Tyson. And I got two awesome guests in one corner. I got Mr. Joseph Cousins. How are you, my friend? I'm good, man. You good? I'm all good, pal. Nice one. And in the other corner, a returning guest is a huge boxing fan. Hatem Kadus, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm good, pal. Ready to rock and roll. So we're going to talk Iron Mike today. These guys both wanted to be on. We're all Tyson fans, but I'm going to let my guests do most of the talking, as any good host would. So to start off with, boys, I'm going to start how where Mike Tyson was from, where he's, what he's all about. So Mike Tyson was born in Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, New York is it was is a hard, hard place, man. You, a lot of people don't make it out of Brooklyn, New York, especially where he was from. Mike Tyson is from Brownsville, Bed Stuy, New York. A lot of people hear that Bed Stuy. Oh, I know that. Yep, you know that from famous people like Biggie Smalls, Jay Z, Most Def, Little Kim, all rappers who made it out. So, Mike Tyson grew up with. Basically, no father. His original father was Jamaican, never knew him. His father basically, his stepfather basically rolled out when he was born. So he was raised by his mother. So, Cuzzy, tell me a little bit about Mike Tyson coming up, rising to stardom. Well, it's, um, the, the, the backstory is, is, is quite typical for a lot of, um, a, a lot of young, um, black American fighters, um, where, you know, they're coming from a broken home, usually from a, a sort of ghetto type neighborhood, um, tough neighborhood. Um, um, of, where, from Mike's, um, Tyson's perspective, um, got in, got himself into a lot of crime, you know, arrests, where have you, 
um, in and out of, of juvenile detention centres. Sort of similar upbringing to a lot of guys that I grew up with, although I decided to go on, on, on the more sort of straight and narrow <laughs> rather <laughs> than get up off. Um, um, but you, you, you mentioned the you mentioned the parent you mentioned the parentage there and and it's all sort of the the, the family's um, structure and Tyson's um, talk, spoke about this himself in like more recent documentaries that that sort of played a role in his um, difficulties as a youngster you know as it does I, I know guys that I grew up with that have been sort of in and out of youth detention centres in prison and, and and it's a similar way they've been from broken homes and living in bad neighbourhoods and what have you it's a similar thing with Tyson eleven twelve thirteen years old but then he um, I think in, in his in his last detention um, centre, I think it was, it's called the, the Tyrant School for Boys. Is, is that is that right? That is where right. He yeah. Met, yeah, where he met Bobby Stewart, who was a who, who was an old old an old fighter and 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 and, and counsel sort of counsellor, and sort of took Tyson under his wing and trained him up to fight. And um, I think that's sort of the beginning of you know of of his boxing um career not his career he's, he's sort of uh, as an interest um taking up boxing before that as i mentioned a lot of arrests a lot of street robberies and crime or whatever you and usually when you get into the system or in the, as 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 a youngster as a, a 12 13 14 year old in and out of detention centers it usually you your life usually goes in in one direction and that is you know um, extended prison sentences, drugs, and and usually guys like that don't really live a long life, um, um, you know, or or a prosperous one, or uh, you know, it turned out to be sort of a, <laughs> a one of the most successful boxers in, in the history of the sport, one of the most ferocious, ferocious boxers in the history of the sport. So, it's really a, a fairy tale story when you think about it from from that from that perspective, or rags to riches story where he meets this guy in um in in the detention center. And he gets trained up to fight, and then he meets the legendary um, Castamato. So I, I don't know what Hatton um, wants wants to sort of add add to that bit in terms of of previous to his his, his boxing his yeah, boxing training. That's right. I mean, he he had no no direction. This is a kid who, like you said, because he could have won anyway. He could have been dead at an early age, arrested thirty eight times by the time he was thirteen, and then comes along Castamato. So. Hatem, you want to talk about Kass? Well, what, um, one thing I will add, though, is that um, he used to get bullied a lot when he was a kid because of the way he spoke. And, um, you know, he had that li- um, the Tyson-esque lisp, so he was fighting quite a lot. So that's how he became a, quite a combative person. But uh, Kustomato, Kustomato is not well known in the, t- in, the, um, in the boxing. I think he trained Floyd Patterson to the world title. And yes. um, one of the things when uh, Bobby Stewart introduced him to Kirsty, he said, right, this is a guy, um, he needs guidance, but he's got something. And um, one of the first things that Kuss did was appoint Kevin Rooney as his trainer, along with uh, Teddy Atlas. And um, basically, they, got, they, they, they had a look at Mike Tyson and his past and thought, well, the best way to keep him is to keep him, act- keep him out of trouble, is to keep him active. So they got him into the um, the amateurs. So he did well in the amateurs. He won the Junior Olympics, uh, I think it was 81 and 82. I think he holds the record for the quickest knockout ever. Um, Cuss and Kevin Rooney had created this um, technique that Tyson had, which is the bob and weave, or he calls it the peekaboo, where I don't know why I'm trying to demonstrate it when I'm on a, an audio podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but you can imagine if you're covering your hands with your face and you look, you're ducking low, because he wasn't the tallest heavyweight. I think he was 5'11 in his prime anyway. And um, he's basically just 
bobbing and weaving with his hands down low and then peeking up outside and then using unleashing his power. So he did he, he they got him into the Olympics and um in the Olympic trial unfortunately he lost to uh, this guy called Henry Tillman on a decision and he never made it to the eighty four Olympics. And it was at that point that um Cuss thought, well, we should uh, get him to go pro. In terms of Yeah, so he goes he sorry, he so he goes pro in eighty five. And, and then Cuss. He had. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, um, yeah, he goes pro in 85. Uh, go on, sorry. And Cuss kind of. I think Cuss dies in 85, I believe. He does. Yeah, he does die in 85. That's right. And that's basically when Tyson's trouble starts. Yep. Because, you know, Mike only knows trouble. Mike knows fighting. This is his life. So his first big nationally televised bout is in 86 Houston Field in New York. Um,. You know, he knocks a guy out real quick and then he starts making a name for himself, making a name for himself. So his first title fight was in 86. So this is all moving real quick for this guy. And again, this is a young man who has no direction in his life. You know, he's got people all over the place telling him, Mike, do this, Mike, do that. And he fights Trevor Burbick. <laughs> Cuzzy, you want to talk about that? <laughs> what I found just leading up to the, um, the, the, the Burbick um, fight, just looking through the, the, the stats earlier today, um, what I found quite remarkable was that he had about, I think it was 15 fights he had in 1985, uh, which is amazing. So you, um, imagine the, imagine a fighter these days going pro at the age of 18 um, and having that many fights. Like he's fighting like every three weeks. He's fighting and knocking people out. So he's built up a reputation of just being really active. Um, but there was a lot of criticism as to, you know, the type of opponent he was fighting. Um, he's just, he's going through these, he's going through these guys like, most of them are, are, are knockouts and are really early knockouts as well leading up to the Burbick fight and so I remember watching this fight and um, and a lot of people, although he, he had this sort of ferocious um, um, reputation that he built for himself um, a lot of people didn't really you know believe the hype you know they thought well you know he's not really fought anyone you know too special now he's in with a champion we'll see what he can do and it's funny because I wasn't really a Tyson fan yet. Um, I was I was more leaning towards Trevor Burbick. I think Burbick um, was Jamaican, and sort of naturally, I sort of led towards the sort of the the, the Jamaican um, guy in, in the fight. But for all, for all that doesn't know, I'm my sort of family is from Jamaica, so family all huddled around the TV, and um, you know the the was rooting for the Jamaican. It wasn't long <laughs> until it was it, it wasn't long until there was a complete 180, and everyone started rooting for Tyson. Such was the um, the amazing performance and you know it's the speed of Tyson the ferociousness of the punches and it's it's the knockout of of Berwick and the way he's stumbling around the wing trying to get up falling over trying to get up falling over it, it's it's a it's an amazing sight and when you think back on it or you look on YouTube clips it's um it, it's it's really hard to comprehend that this is a 20 year old youngster right just up and coming against a seasoned vet the world champion and he's he's laid him to waste in that fashion it's very rare that you get that now if you can imagine someone like anthony joshua for example i don't know fighting as a, a seasoned um world champion and just absolutely pulverizing them in, in double quick time that would sort of give you a, a bit of an impression of what it was like back then but it was pretty amazing and that sort of set the scene really um 
for what was to come. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like you haven't, we haven't seen a, a heavyweight like that, that kind of buzz, that kind of come up like Tyson in a very long time. I mean, you had your great champions even after him, but none of them ever had that kind of buzz. I mean, Tyson had everything. He had outstanding, he had the hand speed, he had the coordination, he had unreal power, unreal timing. And in, early in his career, he did have defensive ability. Now, he might have went away from the peekaboo style you spoke about, but he had everything. I mean, this guy was probably born to be a fighter. So at this point, it's basically 87 is Tyson Mania. I mean, he is the guy. He Everybody knows him. So he goes and, you know, he beat. He becomes, I think he fights Tony Tucker and becomes the first heavyweight to own all three major belts. And then after this, in eight, well, we'll go to 88. 88, he fights Larry Holmes, knocks him out. And then he's just running through people left and right, left and right. Then he comes up against Michael Spinks. <laughs> and I don't know if you want to talk about that, Hatem. Yeah, so Mike, Michael Spinks was, um, he had beaten the previously unbeaten Larry Holmes or unbeatable Larry Holmes to win the title. And there was a bit of controversy over it because Mike, uh, Larry Holmes was going for the, uh, the famous Rocky Marciano record of 49 and 0 when he got robbed in that fight. So, and then before again, there was, a, uh, so Michael Spinks was seen as potentially Tyson's toughest fight. And, um, it was weird because we live in an era now where we have, um, illegal feeds for fights or Sky TV or BT Sports or Box Nation and stuff. We, um, Sky TV wasn't around then, so for us to watch the fights, you know, I, I mean, I, I remember listening to this on, um, Air Force, Air Force Radio. If you saw the express, I mean, and then we, we used to get the record, we used to get the, um, highlights or the, um, recorded and what, and shown on ITV the following day. So I used to remember at nine o'clock in, um, ITV, having listened to it on the Saturday night, ran down the stairs to watch it. And if you saw the look on Michael Spinks, his, um, eyes as he's walking in, and the guy was, he was, his eyes were, gl- he was bricking it basically. He was shitting himself. And that was one of the things, <laughs> that's one of the things Tyson had is that he would beat people before he, um, before he even got, uh, into the ring. I mean, there's a, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but Bruno's second fight. Um, Bruno Helm did that crossing of the chest thing about 30 times on the way to walk in. People were defeated. I mean, I think it was 91 seconds, uh, the Spinks fight. And I mean, I, I can't remember how much it worked, worked out that he earned for that fight, but I think Michael Spinks took one shot and Tyson's famous shot was the, uh, right upper, uh, right to the body, right upper, uh, uppercut and decided that's it. He just, you could see him. He sat up when he was on the ground. He sat up and thought, you know what? I'm getting paid for this. Fuck this. I'm staying down. And, um, basically Michael Spinks never fought again after that. And that was the effect, yeah. that's the effect Tyson had. I mean, I don't even think Burbick fought after. After, because I mean, he was just talking about that famous knockout, I don't think Burbick ever fought fought, out, fought after that. It was the effect of that. Yeah, he was he was basically that. That was that's the height. That's the height of Mike Tyson. Nobody was going to beat Mike. Everybody thought this guy's going to be next Marciano, undefeated record, this and that. And then his troubles came. I mean, sure. the, the guy just he can never get away. He couldn't get out of his own way. He's basically had cocaine problems his whole life, uh, amongst other things, partying. But this was one of kind of his marriage and the divorce for um to Robin Gibbons happens. And then on top of that, his contracts being fought over and, and Don King, if anybody knows anything about Don King, if he's anywhere near you, you're probably fucked personally. Yeah, ask but, Muhammad Ali. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He he was an absolute mess. So he has all this going around, 
all this shit going down. And it's his life is kind of falling apart internally, but nobody really knows this because at the time, you know, you hear about the divorce and all that stuff and like, oh, okay, well, this guy's still a great fighter. But then 1990 rolls around and he fights Mr. Buster Douglas. <laughs> and at that time, he was a huge, 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 huge favorite. Even, I mean, like, I don't even think casinos had odds on this fight. Cuzzy, you want to talk about that? I think only one casino had odds for, 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 for Douglas. It's, I mean, we talk about, about 1988, I think, is a really key year because um, a few things happen. Um, as you mentioned, he gets married to Robin Givens. Who actually at the time was quite... And that was a sort of roller coaster. She was a superstar yeah. at, at, at yeah. the time in terms of um, being a, a model and an actress. Um, he was 21 years old at the time. She was 22. Um, I mean, if you've watched, if, if you've watched, um, if you're a Tyson fan listening to this, you've probably seen the documentaries and, 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 and you know about sort of the trials and tribulations of that particular uh, marriage. And at the same time, you've got Don King sort of waiting in the wings. Um, he fires his, um, his management. And I'm not sure if, 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 um, Robin Givens or, um, his mother-in-law has anything to do with of him actually sacking his his management at the time, and these are the these are two, the the two guys who the names escape me at the time. You guys probably know the names of 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 the two, but these two were um were recommended um by by Cus um himself, um and and also his trainer Kevin Kevin Rooney who had been training him up from you know from his amateur days. Um, he he fires them all, so he fires the management and he fires his coaching, and then he get and and then he he, he divorces his wife, and then he gets with Don King. So all that happens in 1988, um, and then you know at the time we don't know because we're just you know focusing on on the fighting and we're seeing him knocking out people like Spinks in double quick time fights after Spinks. He would he would he would have destroyed guys you know really really easily seemingly, and then he goes into the Buster Douglas fight, which is you know on paper just mismatch and. You know, everyone's expecting it to be, you know, a, a, an easy fight, you know, a, a routine defense. Um, he doesn't train properly. Um, guys that sort of that know him have, have since said that, you know, he didn't look like he was in shape at all. He said himself that he didn't train properly for the fight. Um, whereas Trapasa Douglas is his dream, you know, it's his, it's his, it's his dream fight, you know. Um, and <laughs> he trained his ass off for the fight. So I couldn't believe it because, you know, back then as, as, I think the fight's in Tokyo, isn't it? Yeah. And um, I don't know what time of the day it was in UK time, but I, I didn't watch the fight live. I, I woke up early in the morning and uh, switched on the teletext to see what happened. And I couldn't believe to see the headline that he lost. And for everyone, um, if you remember um, at the time, uh, I think it was the same day that Nelson Mandela was released from prison as well. Yeah, it was. So it was a, a, was a matter of two huge occasions completely different you got Nelson Mandela being released from prison after 27 years and Mike Tyson actually lost the fight he, I think he was champion for over three years and three years to me then seemed like, seemed like forever um, when you're young three years seems like a really long time mm -hmm. and it didn't seem like anyone would, would, would beat him and it was a it was a massive sporting shock massive shock um, couldn't believe it and um, I saw when I uh, uh, sort of eventually saw the action and saw the highlights um, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. It didn't look like, I mean, it looked like Tyson um, physically, but boxing style and sluggishness and whatever, it just didn't look like him. It was just like a completely different fighter in the ring in terms of his output. Um, and yeah, to see him to see him get knocked down, cause I think it's the first time he'd ever been knocked down um, in his career. Um, amateur as well as, um, as, as, as well as, as pro, I think. 
never seen him get knocked down before. Um, and yeah, he uh, knocked down in the canvas, struggled to get up, looking for his gum shield before he got up and counted out or, or, or stopped by the ref. Couldn't believe it. Massive, massive shot. Yeah, it was one of the, easily one of the most shocking upsets in any kind of sports history. I mean, it, that 42 to 1 odd, it's crazy. I mean, he, he just, he didn't have it and he, he clearly wasn't in shape. But, you know, after that, he, he does come back and he, he wins some fights. He definitely, he, I think he beats Razor Ruddock twice. And then you think he's back on the ascend. And then the dun, rape happens. Dun. Alleg- so, alleged. Uh, t- the, uh, <laughs> yes, that is the alleged rape of Desiree Washington, Miss Rhode Island. You want to talk about that, Atom? Yeah. So, um, so a couple of things, but like he, he, we, he, he got back and, um, he was scheduled to fight, uh, Evander Holyfield in November, I think. And because of that ribbon, he, he got a rib injury or so they yep. say. So then. Yeah. He basically was off the boxing. Who knows if if he had fought Ovanda that first time, whether you don't know whether he would have been in that situation where he's at a Miss, I think it was a Miss Black USA pageant, pageant or pageant, I don't know how you pronounce it. Pageant, yeah. Pageant, sorry. And um, so this Desiree Washington, right? So the the back the background to this is two weeks, I think two or three weeks before, one of the Kennedys, um, I think it was William Kennedy, some junior, I think, had just been acquitted of rape. And like all the evidence was with him. So you could, uh, all the evidence was pretty much, uh, condemning him, damning him, but he managed to get off that. So all the feminists were up in arms. So this whole Desiree Washington thing was happening in a, um, in a sort of atmosphere of the feminists protesting about the rape stuff. And I mean, she, I mean, he, she invited, she met him at, during the pageant, pageant, sorry. And then she invited him to his room at three in the morning. Like, now I'm not, um, like sort of condoning what she says happened or he said happened, but she invited him to his room at three a.m. And then allegedly they had sex. And then she put up with this, she came up with this, uh, he raped me charge. And I mean, Tyson's defense was possibly one of the, I mean, if you read about it, like his, the, the lawyers that Don King provided, were some of the worst law, like one of the worst defense cases ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they didn't focus on the lack of evidence. They didn't focus on the fact that, um, that Desiree Washington had previously been, um, she'd, she'd already had one count of prior history of false rape against her, against the teacher. They did, they neglected that. The facts were incomplete. The jury, like somewhere Tyson was advised to like live up to his bad boy image. So they basically found him arrogant and, I mean, even though they had it documented that she was a known gold digger, the, the, the judge basically, paid, the uh, jury, sorry, paid more attention to his bad boy image and basically um, sent him down. But one one thing though, he was offered a six month probation if he pled. He was. Yeah, if he pled guilty. But he said, look, I'd rather spend the rest of my life in jail. I'm not pleading guilty. Something I didn't do, which is fair enough. And to this day, I mean, look, putting aside my love for Mike Tyson, I mean, I I think. He was a victim of circumstance with the Kennedy stuff. They needed a conviction of somebody. And obviously, Kennedy being a powerful white guy was never going to get convicted. If I'm bringing the race into it, Tyson, easy fall guy. Sure. The, he, there was rumors he was wanting to split from Don King anyway because he was well, he was getting well pissed off with Don King and he wanted to go back to, um, I, um, I think one, one of his co-managers had died by then. I think it was. Jimmy Jacobs and I think he was left with Caton and he wanted to go back to Caton and Rooney wasn't happy with the way the training was going so there's a lot of rumours he wanted to quit and 
Tyson basically, well, he wanted to leave Don King and Don King got wind of that and there's rumours that he stitched him up on the court. I don't, I don't know this because again, when, when he got jailed, he came out and joined up again with Don King, which pissed me off quite a lot. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, the world, the media wanted a conviction. He got sent down for, I think it was six years, was it? It was six years and I think he only ended up doing what? Uh, three, I think. Three. With probation. Yeah. With probation. Yeah, but he had to write, he had a sex offender registration, yes. which is just embarrassing. So, yeah. So, Cuzzy, how do you feel about Tyson's rape case with uh, Desiree Washington? How do you feel how that, about that, how that all went down? It's, it's a difficult one. At the time, um, you lean towards your sporting hero. Um, you think, well, for me personally speaking, I think, you know, heavyweight champion of the world, women falling at his feet, why would he need to rape someone, you know? And so look at it from that perspective, um, and more of a well, this needs to be absolutely proven before I'm gonna I'm gonna believe it. Um, and thing is, he gets convicted, which is is rare, really, when you think about when you look back and think about you know the amount of sort of um, sport personalities or celebrities or rich and powerful people or men that have been accused of of rape. Very rarely did they actually get get convicted. So it. To me, looking at it, it seems as if what's what convicted him was a couple of things. Really, you've got the story of his, his chauffeur at the time that corroborated um, her story about you know the shock she was in after the after the incident, whether it was a, a, a ride um, back to her place or wherever. I'm not sure the full details, but that that sort of being sort of in in, in a sort of um, shocking sort of state after the uh, after the event that was corroborated. And I think probably more tellingly was the physical um, that the nurse gave her off after the um, accusation as well. Um, she had sort of a, a, um, a physical at, at the hospital to sort of check evidence and what have you. And um, what they said was is that um, her her injuries um, it w- was in keeping with someone who had, who had been raped. So is whether you know it's uh, whether she had rough rough sex. Um, and to to speculate, you could think maybe. You know, they had rough sex. She changed their mind in, in in the middle of it. She didn't she didn't like the way it was going, and 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 decided and said no. Who knows? Um, only only the, only the two of them would know. But it seemed as if that sort of you know having injuries in keeping with um, being raped, um, the, the the corroboration by the chauffeur as to this this. The, the shock state she was in after the event, and also in in the court case as well, where he gave evidence and came across when he was cross examined by the prosecution, he came across as arrogant, and you know, and the, basically the, the the jury didn't the jury didn't like him. Um, so the the picture painted of him as being in the, uh, an abusive, arrogant bully. Um, I think that the jury actually went with that side of the, of, of the story, and 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 was found was found guilty on that. Whether it was enough, whether it should have been enough, you know, to be, to be under reasonable sort of doubt, be convicted, you know, by, by reasonable doubt, I, I don't know. Um, but because I don't know the, the full details of that case. What, what is sort of a bit surprising is how short the case was. When you think about, about it, it was three weeks, I think, <laughs> the case was. So his, his defense couldn't have been the best in the world. But whether he did it or not, he's always maintained vociferously that there's no way um, he did it. It was a false accusation. He said that from the very beginning. Um, And, you know, he could have pleaded and got lesser time, you know, um, didn't do that. 
um, fought, fought the case, ended up serving three years because of it. And since then, in some quarters, you know, he's he he's, he's, he still maintains the fan base. Some people just refuse to believe that he did it. Others, um, that he, you know, he's, he got convicted, and so he did. Um, I at the at the time um, was of of the former camp, you know, not believing that he did at all. Now I'm I don't know what I I I I don't know what I think about it. To be honest, I, I can't lean 100 one way or the other. To be honest. Um, I'd like to believe that it was a false accusation. I didn't know what Hatton mentioned earlier with regards to the fact that she had falsely um, accused. Um, was it a professor or a teacher? Did yeah. you say Hatton? Yeah, like, teacher. Yeah. yeah, yeah, teacher. I didn't. I, I didn't actually. I didn't know that actually. So that 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 throws some um, that throws a bit of doubt on there, doesn't it? Um, so so okay. yeah, it's it, it's yeah. a tough one for it's a tough one for me really. I I couldn't see I couldn't say that it's, that she's lying. Um, she's a gold digger, and you know, uh, I I couldn't yeah. I couldn't say that for for definite, and then I couldn't say that you know he's definitely done it. So it's 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 a tough one, and I'm not one of those that if you've been convicted, that means you must have done it because we all know that <laughs> <laughs> you know you know that people have been stitched up well and truly over the years. So um, yeah, it's a tough oh one. yeah, no question. There's probably all kinds of people in jail who didn't do what they say they did, and. Being that it's a rape case, it's such a touchy subject, but yeah, you did bring up a good point there. Only him and her know what happened. So, And after being paroled from prison, Tyson wins some, I would say, some pretty easy comeback fights. Peter McNeely, Buster Mathis. <laughs> um, and that's the thing. He, you know, he's been in prison for a few years, and he's still popular than ever. He comes out, and it grosses $96 million worldwide, the highest ever for pay-per-view. People still want to see this man box. Then he gets a defense's WBA title against Holyfield. So you got Holyfield one, which ends in Tyson being TKO'd in the 11th round. And that whole fight, he was upset and complained about the headbutts, which will be a precursor and a foreshadowing to Holyfield two. Atam, you want to talk about Holyfield Tyson two? Yeah. So me and my dad stayed up until about um, six. I remember that fight quite well because, um, as I mentioned before, my dad's a huge boxing fan did the rumble in the jungle. Um, he took me to see uh, Tyson fight Bruce Seldon the, uh, a few years before when he won the WA title. Long way to go, Vegas, one round. So we're massive Tyson fans. So we stayed up. I remember that boxing card. I mean, now a lot of boxing cards are shit anyway, like the support belt. There was, there was no support fights. They were just rubbish. And there was, I think, some women boxer fighting on it and the fight didn't really start till 6am so you can imagine we're sat here waiting till 6am and I, I'm not, I've never really liked Holyfield um, I know he's a great cruiserweight but I'd, he's a dirty fighter but then a lot of fighters are dirty you just gotta get over it so I was, I was disappointed that Tyson lost the fight before but if you look at it Tyson again once they did the post-fight analysis it looked like that Holyfield got Tyson got his tactics perfect again and Tyson Continuing his decline since he lost, since he um, sacked Rooney, um, didn't have an answer. He was just a plodder. He was just he he'd for, completely forgotten his bob and weave and the peekaboo. He'd completely forgotten all the head movements. It was easy for Holyfield to stop. So I was kind of thinking, well, I mean, you could see that Holyfield was headbutting in the first fight, but I mean, it happens these things. So in the second fight, I think um, it started off first round fairly even, but you could see Holyfield again shoving his head into Tyson's um, Tyson's face. Tyson got cut, I think, early, I think. 
Um, and then he he just kind of lost the plot. He bit once, and I I think I think the referee was at Mills Lane. He took two points off him, which I mean that's quite impressive. To be honest, I thought a bite would mean that uh, you'd get disqualified completely, but he gave him a he gave him a chance. But by that time, Tyson had lost it. In in between the first bite and the second fight, Holyfield is again rubbing his forehead into Tyson's cut. No excuse. I'm not excusing it for any any way am I making excuses for Tyson doing what he did and then he bit him again he got disqualified brawling in the ring me and my dad were fuming I mean it was like 6am there's like we sat there basically trying to stay up to the fight and it was nothing couldn't do about it just couldn't believe it I went like my dad went to sleep immediately disappointed I was just like shocked so like Tyson's been my one of my sporting idols so like for for, for I mean you kind of like we said the rape, the rape thing's a grey area some people do some people don't believe depend exactly as because he said but this was just like okay i'm gonna judge him how he is in the boxing ring and he just i kind of felt a little bit let down by by him doing it i mean he got a he like i said he got a, effectively a yellow card for biting someone's ear the first time and he thought okay and in a normal corner under the in under the stewardship of demato jimmy jacobs and clay and on rooney all of that old the old regime that wouldn't that would, that would have calmed him down in the ring. But you look at the two um, Don King's um, uh, cornermen that he appointed, hopeless. They didn't calm him down. They just wound him up, wound him up in the corner. If you watch that fight, they're saying, "Yeah, he's putting." Tyson's complaining to his corner, going, "Yeah, he's he's um he's headbutting, he's headbutting me." Because yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry. Instead of telling him to calm down and stuff, they're like egging him on. Yeah, it's wrong, it's wrong. He came out for the bell, fuming. As soon as he did it again, he bit him. He bit a chunk. It's that iconic scene where he spits out the. Um, a chunk of his ear onto the floor of the MGM. It wasn't, it wasn't, was it the MGM? I can't remember. But um, yeah, and he got disqualified. Shame, like humiliation, banned from boxing. Um, the withheld. Yeah, he lost his. Yeah, I mean Nevada took his. He couldn't get a fight in Vegas. Which no, is, I mean they which, took. I mean that's brutal. They took three. I think at the time they could only take a certain. I think it was ten percent of yeah, the. They uh, took three million yeah, of his thirty. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so it was just. I mean, I, I, as a massive Tyson fan, I got I felt left uh, let down on a sporting basis in the ring because of that. Because I kind of thought, well, it's like spitting a football for me, and um, biting and boxing again, similar thing. There's no excuse for it. I mean, it's just a bitch way out, basically. I kind of thought he got frustrated and he kind of resorted to the days of when he was street. I mean, he kind of had a flashback to how he was back in the day street fighting and he just basically took it to the street and he got disqualified and he was banned for, I was ashamed because like Holyfield gave it all of this, um, spiel. I mean, Holyfield, when you look at the greats, when you rank the boxers will always be ahead of Tyson because of that, he beat him twice. And that's the shame about it because I think I, I, f- I still, as we'll probably talk about later, fully focused Tyson beats anyone, to be honest. But yeah, it was disappointing, man. I mean, because I don't know if you, I think this was in the early days of Sky pay per view as well. So yeah, it was. Yeah. So, Cuz, well, how do you feel about both them fights? I I missed the second fight. I took the first fight. I mean, the build up to that fight, the first fight was really good because um he won the title from from Frank Bruno. Yeah, um, and uh, I don't know if you if, if if you know Joe, but Frank Bruno is is sort of the biggest heavyweight um, boxing personality in, in Britain. Yeah, he's oh, he's okay. he's he's our he's our Joe Lewis, so to speak. He's, he's, uh, Frank, okay. Frank Bruno. Frank Bruno is 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 the most popular British heavyweight and um, limited ability Frank, though. Limited ability, <laughs> um, fantastic shape, yeah. um, really good physique, um, 
absolute sort of everyone everyone loves frank right yeah and he had frank had had, had gone for the title a few times and, and always sort of always sort of bridesmaid but could never actually get <laughs> get the thing done always sort of came up against the champion and lost and the first fight against tyson he got knocked out i think it was a fifth round was it fifth or eighth round i'm not sure uh anyway um when tyson went to prison um the various um, versions of the title was being won um and uh, i think lewis lost did, did lewis um win a version of the title and then lose it to oliver mccall and then oliver mccall fought bruno and then bruno managed to beat mccall on, on points and, yeah and he didn't and he didn't i think it was a wbc yeah what one, um, one thing though in the splitting of the fights buster douglas who beat tyson like lost to Holyfield in like three rounds in embarrassing, embarrassing surrender. Yeah. Embarrassing surrender, man. Yeah. Absolutely destroyed by Holyfield. So, um, yeah, so Tyson, Tyson beats Bruno in, 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 in the rematch. So that was big in, in Britain. That was a, a, like a big hype fight. Um, and then you had the, the, the lead up to, um, the Holyfield fight. And, um, I had stayed up to watch that fight. I was at my friends and it was like, there's about seven or eight of us in, in the packed in the living room and stayed up all night to watch this fight. We all fell asleep and then woke back up again <laughs> early morning <laughs> to watch, to watch this fight. It must have been about five, six o'clock in the morning. And it's funny because everyone is just knackered falling asleep. As soon as, as soon as the, the fighters come out to fight, the, the main event I'm, I'm speaking about where you're all like full of energy. Um, can't wait for this fight to happen. And we're all Tyson fans and we all think it's going to be one result and there's Tyson winning. Um, we're all in absolute shock when halfway through it, it looks like Tyson's getting beat up. I mean, what the hell is going on? I mean, Hollywood is just connecting with all these combinations, hooks, uppercuts, overhand rights. They're all connecting. And um, that that fight's a, T- a TKO, isn't it? That that The first one. And yeah, the, 11th round. Yeah. Yeah, 11th. Yeah, and... It, pretty amazing um when you hear tyson talk about that fight he talks about the headbutts and when you watch it when you watch it back there are a number of headbutts in that in that um in that fight tyson has, has said that he 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 blacked out like in in the early rounds and when you when you watch it he gets a headbutt which, that cuts him and then he gets a couple other headbutts um and then as it gets to the latter rounds, he just hollywood just takes over the fight and and and, and beats him up a bit second fight it it was it was going in the same direction. He had a couple of headbutts. He got cut early, and then he just got he just lost. I mean, he's explained it himself in his documentary. I don't know if you've seen the two thousand eight documentary um, where he's sort of narrating um, narrating it himself, where he says that he's just he pretty much just said, "I don't care about the fight anymore. I don't care about boxing. I don't care about my license. I want to hurt this man." He's headbutting me. No one's doing anything about it. I'm gonna get revenge <laughs> and. And he just took, he just takes a chunk of his air. And it's amazing that he's took a chunk of the air and spat it out. And the referee has seen it and, and, and docked him points. I mean, it's amazing that he's not been disqualified immediately. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> Hollywood's jumping up and down, pointing to his air. And the camera zooms in and shows a chunk of it missing. And the fight still continues. Um, but eventually he gets disqualified, right, rightly so. And then he gets, he gets, Docked his three million dollars and he gets banned by the Nevada um, State um, Athletic Commission, um, and which pretty much says that you know you're not getting any big fights. Because all the big fights are in Las Vegas. If you can't fight in Vegas, then you're done, really. Um, so yeah. Um, by yeah, then, but by, by the second, so we're just going to say by the second fight, a lot of the mystique for Tyson had gone when he lost the, when he lost that Holyfield fight. Um, I think 
that was where the iron part of Mike Tyson had, had disappeared for me. Um, he was no longer the invincible Mike, you know. Um, I mean, when you look back on it, he himself has said that the loss to Douglas was really the the end of of the of his dominance. But I didn't see it like that at, at the time. I'm thinking, well, he still is a top fighter. But when he's when he's lost that first fight to Holyfield in convincing fashion, it's for me the mystique and the sort of that aura of invincibility is is gone. So by the time the second fight and the and the biting of the ear and all that, it sort of just added to the fact for me that you know he was on his way down. Um, and yeah, that that's that's pretty much signals the beginning of the end, I think, for his his career. Um, that that he'd be abandoned and and fine like that. Yeah, and that's you're absolutely right. I mean, he he basically toils for kind of years after that. Um, drug busts, uh, assaulting two motor vehicles, two motorists. I mean, he's he's downright crazy. And you know, people. Not to get into a whole other tangent, but you know, the man does have mental issues that people just laugh at sometimes because of stuff they don't understand. He clearly is abusing drugs. But in perfect Mike Tyson fashion, he gets another chance, another opportunity to fight Lennox Lewis, 2002. And he goes on the famous rant. Yeah. You know, he, I want to eat your heart. I want to eat your heart. I want to eat your children. Praise to be Allah. I mean, the man sounds like he's insane, but. He does fight Lewis. Hatam, tell me what happens in that fight. So, one thing though, from his transgressions with previous transgressions with the assault charge, and then I think he was done for a sexual assault. They couldn't, um, or he was being charged with again sexual assault. He wasn't allowed to fight in, they weren't allowed to fight um, that fight in um, Nevada, I believe. Nevada refused to issue a license for that fight. Um, right. In terms of the rant, look, I've seen. I mean, like I said, I must. I, I, I love, I love the rant. I think I it's, I rant. think it's the greatest rant ever. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's brilliant. And that's the thing is, is like everybody, you've seen it so many times. Whether it's UFC, whether it's boxing, they'll rant, they'll rant, they'll rant in the build up to the fight. Like the two jokers we're going to be seeing fighting soon, David Hay and Bellio, they'll sit there and f- fight and impress conferences and rant. It doesn't mean anything. It, to me, it was just a rant. I thought it was brilliant. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. And he launched into this. It's, it's to me like. In terms of, you can say the best pre-fight rant, but it was selling tickets. It's all about selling pay-per-view. People have got to realize that, I mean, if you compare, you always compare the fighters after the fight with how they are before, and you know how false it is. Most of, most of the time, they don't, none of the fighters believe it. It's like when David Hay and, um, uh, Chisora fought one glass the other. It's like, oh my God, I'm this and this. And then they're hugging each other afterwards. But, I mean, this is Lewis pretty much at the prime of his career. Lewis, now for me, um, Lewis is a good boxer. He'll be, he, I mean, he retired, um, having avenged every defeat he's had. He retired with the titles. Um, I never rated Lewis's style. I found him quite boring, as you can see, if you see the progression from Lennox Lewis to, uh, Vladimir Klitschko. The way they do it is they use the big size to lean on people. So Tyson washed up. Tyson, he'd fought three or four fights before it, including, now, Tyson came to England to fight in Manchester in 2000 to fight good old Julian Francis. I went to that. And one of the things about that is oh. it was a big thing that Mike Tyson would be allowed to enter the country in this country. Because this country has a ruling where if you've got a rape conviction, then due to the, you know, the, um, when we talked about it earlier about him being on the offenders list as a part of his sentencing. 
So this country has this thing. If you if you're on a um, offenders list, you can't be allowed in the country. So special dispensation was made for him to be in the country. And um, obviously he he cleaned his way. He basically fought four bums in the build up to this fight. So I mean, the second round KO'd that Julian Francis. Then he went to Scott. Um, the the paper which we all hate had advertising on the soles of um, Julian Francis's feet, so that they expected him to get knocked down. So every time he not got knocked down, the uh, that scummy paper we all hate, you could see the advert for it. He went on to Glasgow. He fought a guy, beat him in 38 seconds. Um, almost, I think he knocked down the referee in that fight. And then he fought Galotta, um, another tainted sort of boxer, knocked him out quite early. Fought some. The, the the fight for me that said that he wasn't in any shape or uh, any decent shape was before when he used to fight quite regularly. So he fought three times in 2000. In 2001, he fought once against this. Da- I'm going to call him a bum. Sorry, Danish bum called Brian Nielsen, and he struggled his way through that, and he just about crawled his way to a seventh round knockout I mean the guy was awful Tyson Prime would have knocked him out in four seconds ten seconds whatever he was awful so that led like you've got a year of inactivity between Tyson fighting this Nielsen guy and then coming on to fight um, uh, Lewis which was June I think and Lewis just did the classic thing that he's always done he lent on Tyson Tyson pretty much did what boxers do when they've only got left as their power and he would telegraph his hooks. He would telegraph his uppercuts. I mean, it was horrible to watch. Again, it was a late night sky thing. I was devastated because, again, what because he talked about earlier about the um, Buster Douglas image of him grasping around to get his um, his gum shield off the ground when he got knocked out. Um, this was again horrible. He had nothing, man. It was just like, I, I that's. I mean, I've got a lot of Tyson videos at home or DVDs or whatever the thing. This is the one fight I will not watch. Again, I watched it. I was just devastated. I mean, I've seen the Buster Douglas a couple of times, but that's about it. But this one I'll never watch again. It was just horrible. It was, I mean, he, he was broke. He needed to fight. He didn't, he, sh- Lewis goes on about, oh yeah, my legacy, I'll beat Tyson. Lewis knows damn well that a, a, um, a peak, a peak Mike Tyson, I'm talking pre-prison, destroys Lennox Lewis in three rounds or less. Lennox Lewis couldn't take a punch from Oliver McCall. Lennox Lewis got rocked by Frank Bruno. Lennox Lewis got beat by, um, who's the other one he got beat by? Oh. Rahman. Hasim Rahman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Rahman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he did avenge it. I agree. I mean, but Lewis always goes on about it. And it was just really, it's, I mean, he, he says he needed it. He needed it. If he needs it for his legacy, he needs it. Again, due to that victory, Lennox Lewis will always be ranked higher than Mike Tyson. And uh, when you and look at the grades, it's horrible. It's definitely not. Yeah, it's definitely horrible. It's definitely not right. Cause you agree with that? I think when you're talking about that fight, right? Um, as as I mentioned before, I love I love the rent. The rent was great. <laughs> I mean, everyone fo- everyone focuses on. I think it was after a, it was it was at the end of a fight, really. One of the fights um, that Hatton spoke about in the in the in the lead up to it, where one of the warm up fights where he won, and then he goes on this rant in his post. His post-match um, interview. Um, I mean, everyone talks about the, the, the eating the children line, but the line I loved was was when he said basically he's he's Sonny Liston, he's Jack Dempsey, his defense is impregnable, no one can no one can match him. And I thought, right, well, he's you know, he, I, I really did bite into the hype. That was that was how good the rent was. Um, and then he had the the um, I think they had a fight at a press conference, and he took a bit he took a bite out of Lewis's leg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the build up. 
rolling around on the floor, both in wearing their suits. It, it was it's it, it was funny. Um, most people most most people know anything about boxing didn't give Tyson a chance. Really, people that bought into the hype, casual fans maybe thought maybe he could do something. We can't forget the first round. The first round is 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 something else because the first round, I think I think Lewis is really really nervous in the first round, and doesn't fight properly at all, doesn't use his height, doesn't use his jab or anything. I don't know what Lewis is doing in this first round, but Tyson came out in the first round, started throwing the jab. And I hadn't seen Tyson throw his jab in years, hmm. right? And was throwing the jab, was, was, was connecting to Lewis. He actually, if, if you look at the card, he wins the first round and he, and he, looks, and he looks really good. He's lucky, he's lucky he rolled back the years. And Emmanuel Stewart, um, the late, great Manny Stewart, who is um, Lewis's trainer, absolutely rips into Lewis. Um, had to mention earlier about about Tyson's corner in the fight against Hollyford. Are, are they were useless? Are they didn't calm him down? This is the opposite end of the scale where Stewart rips into Lewis and fires a rocket up his ass. It's he, he's he's cussing Lewis out in the corner. Motherfucker, what are you doing? You stick to the game plan. We spoke about this. Blah blah blah. Um, Lewis nods his head. Okay, okay. Second round, he he starts using the jab. Tyson can't get anywhere near him, and it's just vicious from then on. It, it's an absolute brutal beating from the second round to when it when it ended, yeah. um, and afterwards, Tyson is just a broken fighter. Um, he even there's there's a there's a key part where he he, even, he wipes the sweat off Lewis's face in a very sort of subservient manner, and it would that alone would kill um, a lot of Tyson fans because it's that ferociousness is completely gone. He's, he's like turned into turned from the baddest man on the planet to a teddy bear in the ring who, who, who had just been beaten. And yeah, it's sad to see. It, it, was, it, was one, it was one fight too many. Wasn't in shape for that fight. Shouldn't, shouldn't really be in the ring um, with Lewis. It's a, it's a, it's a mismatch. It's similar to, it's similar to um, Muhammad Ali fighting Larry Holmes. It's on oh, that yeah, level. That's a yeah. really good yeah. analogy. There. And it's, yeah. you know, it's funny because as, as fast as Mike Tyson rose, he fell just as quick. So he had a short time period where he was he was the baddest motherfucker on the planet. He really was. But the thing I want to ask you guys about now, I mean, he basically just after that, he was done. He had nothing. He couldn't fight anymore. Personal life got worse. Drug abuse got worse. Basically, any addiction you, you can think of, he was into. But now that he's 50 years old now, um, his life after boxing, he's been in movies. He's we didn't talk about the video game. <laughs> Cuzzy, how do you how do you feel about Tyson now after all this time? I mean, his boxing career has basically been over for, for years now. How do you feel about him? For me, his the end of his boxing career came at a time. I think towards towards the end of of boxing being a um, a popular sport in this country. When I say popular sport, I mean mainstream sport. That was it was sort of well, while he was at his peak was before pay per view. So you know. Everyone, you, everyone knows about Tyson from all, all generations, both genders, everything. So, my mom knows about Tyson. My grandmother knows about Tyson. My grandmother doesn't know about Floyd Mayweather or Manny Pacquiao, or because that's the pay per view era. So, in terms of pop culture and legacy, um, he's one of the most famous names, you know, on the planet, really. Um, as I said um, before, pay per view. So. You know, you could you could wait up, and the whole the whole sort of most of the population who's got television can watch his championship fights. I think the fight with Bruno was on was on ITV, I think, at the time. But ITV is like our version of CBS or one of those sort of mainstream channels. You don't have to have cable to watch it. 
And so, you know, so his main fights are in everyone's living room. This is sort of before uh, we're getting into sort of the, the Hollywood fights where that was pay-per-view. So his peak, everyone sort of around my age group, which is like late 30s, early 40s, um, would know about. So he'd always have that legacy of being a great fighter for people around my age group. I don't think you, you can take that away from him. He was champion for three years. He was undisputed champion as well. Um, the knockout record, just the ferociousness of his of his fighting style and his knockout power. He'll always be up there for me as one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best heavyweights. You know, I, I didn't see the Muhammad Ali era. Um, but, you know, I've seen the videos like most other fight fans, but I, I, I would put Tyson up there. He'd be in my, in my top, probably in my top five um, heavyweights of all time. Um, people that are older than me that have seen guys from the 60s and 70s might think differently, but that's my opinion. I agree. Um, in, terms of, in, in, in terms of style, you, you, you've got the part in, the part in the front of his head. Um, you know the party I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every every guy, every every black dude that in my in my age group at school had the party. Everyone went to the barbershop and said, "Yep, I want the Tyson, please." <laughs> <laughs> everyone had everyone had the Tyson line in the front of their head. Um, you know, you got the um, the Nintendo game, Mike Tyson's Punch Out, which I had as well on on the old Nintendo. I used to love that game. And so, yeah, for a time, he was he was most famous, one of the most famous um, guys in the world, really, the sports personality, heavyweight boxing champion of the world back then was huge, uh, a bit different to what it is now. And you, yeah, and you had one champion then because he unified the title. So for me, his legacy as a fighter is there. Um, really complex person, hard to know what he was about, you know, in terms of um, his... His, his his personality, even his even the documentary that he did in two thousand and eight on Tyson, where he he sort of in his interviewing himself, really asking answering questions and narrating. It's still when you look at his when you look at him, you still think this guy's got lots of a lot of demons and really hard to work out. Um, you mentioned the, the drug abuse and what have you, and, and and the mental issues. I think that's definitely there, and that definitely plays plays a part. It's one of the things that makes me um, not certain about the rape case as well because this is a guy who is not stable so what he's capable of i don't know i don't know um but yeah i mean if you're just talking about the fighting style i think he's 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 fantastic and definitely i don't get tired of watching his fights on youtube put it that way all right uh hatem how about what's your lasting legacy i mean again he had the 87 i think his game came out i mean this is a guy who's a boxer i mean how many sports games on nintendo that they make for professional athletes. I can't remember, but that's an all-time selling game. How do you feel about his legacy just with the game included? Well, that's because he said, like, at the time, in the 80s, um, being the heavyweight champion of the world was a big thing. So he was known everywhere. And what helped as well is that he, he didn't always fight in Vegas as well, so he ended up fighting in Japan a couple of times. He ended, then ended up, I think he did some wrestling stuff as well, right? I think he um, he did a referee of a yeah, wrestling. Re- yeah, WrestleMania he did, yeah. I believe. He got paid quite handsomely for that. I mean, the, if you look at Floyd, Floyd uses Mike Tyson's troubles as a sort of a benchmark on how not to do it. It's a shame because he, he's going to be a case study. That's the word I was looking for, case study. I mean, he, this is a guy who had no bank account at the age of 17. And then probably by the age of 19, had like millions in his bank account. And he, I mean, he, he couldn't let go of his, he, he kind of lived a double life. So you can imagine like he had his life with these all these showbiz mates. 
and then he had his life with his uh, with his Brownsville, and he he could never separate the two, which is always what got him into trouble. I mean, he did a lot of good things. I mean, he used to hang around with high society, so he was always in the media. So if he was around now, you could just imagine all the um, the papers running all the stuff about him. But his weakness was with girls, unfortunately. I mean, um, nobody's going to dispute his boxing ability. So when I say Mike Tyson's my sporting idol, my my like uh, room's got like signed pictures of him, and like I've attended a few of his fights. I love the guy. I mean, as a boxer, as a human, well, as a human being, as from the moral social thing, I mean. I mean, he's not, he's, he's made a lot of mistakes, but he's also been fucked over royally by the people he, he hangs on with. He said himself, he goes, oh, when you're on top of your game, everybody wants to know you, but bit by bit, when he was on the decline, everybody, um, everybody just let, let him go, just left him alone. They were happy to earn money off him. And that was his problem. He kind of liked, um, being the center of attention. See, so they'd always buy stuff for people and give cash to people, but in the hope, he probably thought naively that these people would hang around him. But unfortunately, they don't. I mean, Don King, I think he beat up Don King God knows how many times. But you can see, <laughs> I think this, this, I've read about him that he's beat, he beat up Don King several, t- like almost on a monthly basis. He used to beat him up. But I mean, but then you look at it, you can say, okay, you know that Don King fucked you over with the trial. Okay, the defense was shit. And you know he was fucking you over before it. But yet, when you got out of prison, you went with the Nation of Islam, and then you um, you then went with um, Don King as your promoter afterwards again. So obviously, I don't know whether Don King had some legal hold over him, but he stayed with him all the way to the end. And Don King does what Don King does. He abuses the shit out of you, and when you're done, he tosses you aside. Muhammad Ali is an example. I mean, I do wish he could have... I mean, he 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 saw Muhammad Ali as his idol, and he did say that when he knocked out Larry Holmes, he said that was for um, for Muhammad Ali. I kind of wish that Muhammad Ali could have played a, could have listened to him a bit more, guided him a bit more, because he didn't have that father figure. Once Cus went, once Jimmy That's Jacobs right. died of cancer, then Bill Clayton left, and Clayton, sorry, and um, that. So he he needed a guiding figure, but then he's also an adult as well, right? There comes a point when you're an adult and you've got to bear the brunt of your own stuff. I mean, for me, like BT Sports, ESPN, whatever, they all show Tyson fights. I'll never get sick of him, man. Sick of watching the fights. That knockout of, um, well, because he alluded to earlier about uh, the Trevor Burbick knockout, one punch knocked the guy down effectively seven times. It was brilliant. It's one of the best knockouts. I'll never, ever get sick of doing it. He's knockout, he's knockout to Pinkland Thomas, Larry Holmes. The, I've, I've done a little bit of boxing myself and like I, I, I've tried to do that peekaboo thing, man, because I'm not exactly tall as because you know he met me. The peekaboo thing is just like, <laughs> it's not, it's, it's, you kind of try and see what he does. And I watched the videos and I, when I was kid, I used to watch how he does the uppercut and the butt. It's so hard to do. And he just generated so much power. And if, if he'd stayed with Rooney, I honestly think, I don't know, man, things are written, but I don't know. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have, his career wouldn't have folded so badly. He was getting worse and worse and worse each fight. Bruno rocked him in their first fight. People forget. There was that famous commentary when the uh, British guy's going, oh, go on, Frank. He actually rocked him. Always, always hurt Tyson. Yeah. Always hurt Tyson. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he did rock him. And if Bruno was like, if Bruno was the boxer, a decent level, but I think Bruno was shocked by it. But that was the beginning of the end. And then, I mean, he was banging cheerleaders before the, um, his well doc before the Douglas, the Douglas fight. I mean, it was party, it was party in big time in Tokyo, wasn't yeah. it? Before the, um, oh, yeah. Massively. And what, what's ironic about the Tokyo fight is they, because he was knocking out everybody in Vegas, people weren't, people were, um, the, the novelty value of Tyson was wearing off. So they said, Oh, we'll take it to places. And, um, 
we'll take it to other places to see, like, because people weren't, like, attendance figures were like, oh, well, Tyson's going to beat this guy. Uh, there's no point in pay-per-viewing it. There's no point in watching it. I will just watch it later. So he entered, uh, but he's still, I mean, no matter what you say about him, he is still, people like watching him. Whenever he came back, Pete McNeely, a, like a complete bum, knocked him out a couple of rounds. One of the highest grossing pay-per-view fights ever. I think when he fought Lewis, I think it was the one of the highest, again, one of the highest, it was the it was broke the record. It was it, the highest. Yeah, yeah, it was the highest yeah, until Floyd and De La Hoya, and then Floyd yes. did his own thing. But I mean, it's sad. I mean, he's had a lot of heartache as well, man. It's it's. I'm glad he's back on his feet because one of the biggest things that pisses me off about the the, the UK and the Tyson thing is, you know, I said earlier that he there was special dispensation for him to fight. Um, Julian Francis in Manchester to be allowed in the country. So he was taking his tour that he was doing. You know the tour that he does in America? Mm-hmm. His stand-up show. So he was scheduled to come at, um, to England. And I managed to get myself backstage passes to the damn thing. And then he had wow. to pull, he had to pull out of it because, um, the UK decided they wouldn't be allowed in the country. I was fuming. That would have been, cause I've, I've like, I've seen him in the flesh. What year uh, was that? It would uh, the um, the the tour. It would have been what two years ago. Yeah, I was gonna say because he still does that tour. Yeah, he still does it. So at the time he took it to here, it was going to be at the Hammersmith Apollo, and it would have been oh man, I was best like so looking forward to it. It would have literally been. I honestly don't know what I'd done if I met him. I'd have been one of those sniveling little school go Mike, Mike, Mike. But he didn't. um, he wasn't allowed in, and I, I, I didn't realize that was the law, because I remember him fighting in Manchester and going, eh, he fought in Scotland and stuff. I was fuming mm-hmm. about that. But then... Yeah, he came to Brixton as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when when was Brixton? Brixton yeah. would have been before that. Brixton would have been at the same... 2000. Yeah, so yeah, 2000, 2000 yeah. was at the same time as the Julian Francis fight. So that would have been... Yeah. Um, so he did, he... I think the fight was in Manchester, and he did... I was I was in Egypt. I was devastated that I wasn't in London at the time. I was fuming. <laughs> You did you did you go and see him or did you go and see no, that? I was I was I was in Brixton. It was it was it was crazy though. I, I did I did go to see him, but couldn't really see any of him anything of him because it was it was absolute bedlam. There's about like two three thousand people in the street, um, all age groups, oh. um, grandmas, mums, <laughs> little kids. Um, this just just shows the popularity the popularity of the man. I mean, you wouldn't get any you wouldn't get any of that for any any British fighter. Um, in, 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 in Brixton. I mean, it's a, it, well, it's been gentrified since, but at the time, it's predominantly a sort of black community. Um, all sort of loving seeing Tyson. They had to whisk him away and, and put him into the, um, Brixton police station, <laughs> um, for his own, for his own safety, um, because he was being, he was, he was being absolutely mobbed. He grabbed the, um, he grabbed the, what's it called? Um, the, um, the not the microphone, the um, what's what's the thing that does you know the speak the speakerphone, and that the the, the right police use, yeah. um, and leaned out under the windows and was um, communicating back and forth with the crowd because at the time, um, Lambeth Council um, had complained um, that he was allowed that, that the government actually allowed him in to come into the country. They were saying you know what why should, why is a convicted rapist being allowed to, to to come to come to the country to come into the bar to come to Brixton. And um, but the you, your everyday man and woman on the street uh, wasn't having any of it. They went to see Tyson, and you know, and 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 he loved he lapped up, he lapped it up, loved he he loved the love that he was getting from from the crowd. You know, um, if you watched some YouTube clips on it, and you can you can see some journalists, you know, asking women 
Like, you know, but but he's a convicted rapist. I mean, why, why, why do you love him? They're, like, they're not having a bar of it. They're like, no, he's not. No, he's not. No, no. You know, um, love, absolutely, absolutely adored. You, you need you need to watch some clips, Joe. You, you, you get to see the um, how he's sort of revered and decided upon in, in certain communities. Um, yeah, but, that's, yeah I'm, that's... I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that he's not allowed to come in now because there's no, there's no fight to sell now, is it? Exactly. So that's exactly. Sensation he wouldn't get. Yeah. You know, you know, Floyd came to Brixton a couple of years ago and like Floyd self-professed most famous boxer in the world. Didn't get, um, didn't get any, not even a, a hundredth of the adulation. In fact, no, I think, I, I think, he's an asshole. That's why. Yeah. But like, <laughs> so I think he got pissed off because some, so he walked into a hairdresser and expecting everybody to walk in and, um, no, he wasn't the guy. Um, I think some, Woman goes, oh, are you Mike Tyson, and she got well pissed off. There, there was a, I mean, that shows. I mean, is the thing is, Mayweather is really popular in in, in um in London specifically. He's really popular. I love the guy. I think um, he's brilliant. But he, he's he's really he's really popular over here. He does get more love over here than probably he gets in the states. Yeah, that's yeah I didn't realize that. That's um, the, I, yeah. I didn't realize he got that much love in London. And listen, boys, I hate to cut you off. I don't want to do All that. Right. But <laughs> we're getting a little late, and I, I, I didn't say anything about the pre-pod, but I do have one question, <laughs> surprise question, and it's got to be a quick answer. Um, sure? I'll go at you first. I'll go at you first, Atem. In their prime, who wins in a fight, Ali or Tyson? Yeah. Quick answer. Oh, man, I knew that would oh, – that's the age-old question. I think well, – I <laughs> <sighs> pre-draft. Um, yeah, yeah, pre-draft, yes. Pre-draft. Um, oh, God. See, my, my, Ali. Don't make I, the countdown. Don't make me do the countdown. <laughs> Ali survived the punches of George Foreman, but he, he also got put down by Joe Frazier. I think if Ali can see out the first six rounds, then Ali wins. If Tyson okay. gets to him, Tyson no, wins. No, no, no. Just one answer. It doesn't. Yes. One answer. No hypothetical bullshit. Tyson, Tyson or Ali? I've had this debate with my dad, and it's like that. It's it's like that hairdresser scene in um in Coming to America with like he's going Muhammad Ali and I'm going Mike Tyson. He's going. Mm-hmm. I, oh God, I can't. I would say Ali. You know, I genuinely okay. think Ali because he's cleverer and he can work him out. Okay, Kazi. Um, we're talking about a pre-draft Ali. In the right, so the prime we're, talking about, we're talking about a, a mid sixties Ali versus, I uh, say, a nineteen eighty seven Tyson. There you go. Um, Ali, Ali, man, Ali's winning. Okay. I mean, so. Ali, Ali took <laughs> Ali took Foreman's punches when he was effectively in decline as well, right? He took Joe Fraser's knockout after the draft. I mean, that's the for thing. 50, yeah, he took Fraser for fifteen yeah. rounds, and they just beat each other. So I don't think Tyson right. don't think Tyson would have the ability to switch styles. It's where it would let him down. That's his been his biggest flaw throughout his career. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, listeners. This is why I brought them on. They know everything Tyson much more than I do. But before we go. We're going to do some plugs. Cuzzy, you want to go first? No plugs really to speak of. Uh, I am on the um, NKS show tomorrow, um, the City, after, after the City game. So uh, hopefully I can be um, another a, a lucky charm again because every time I've been on that show, we've, um, we've won the match. That's so, true, actually. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's why Gags are trying to get me on every, every, um, every game now. So hopefully I'm I'm the new I'm the new heater. So hopefully um hopefully we can continue that and not jinx it. 
<laughs> can we get can we get the win? I've been meaning to ring up that show for ages, but it's always after a defeat, and I just don't want to sit there and just vent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. what about you? Um, we, we'll have an oil field in the new year, I guess, because um, it's a bit hard getting everybody uh, together. But um, we're going to do an oil field, probably try and preview the African nations as well. So if anybody knows anything about the African nations, give us a shout as well, because I'll be representing Egypt. We're going to win it anyway. So, and um, yeah, so oil field index. Yeah, that's the only one I, I'm on at the moment. So yeah, hopefully in the new awesome. year. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Well, again, I appreciate you guys coming on and everybody Listen to Anfield Index. There is truly something for everybody. And on that note, that is a wrap on the second episode of the Legends Podcast. I'll talk to you guys soon. I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. No one can stop me. I'm the best ever. Like motherfuck all y'all, Mr. Mike Tyson flow, uppercut all y'all, step into my ring, bitches, ding, ding, bitches, click, clack, pow, pow, ping, ping, bitches, I'm the dream machine, I mean keen vision, I can see through your scene like clear screens, hear me, to a lion, you are just dear me, fear God, fear me, Siri, us, us, B-Y-M, try. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.